Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this week. Alrighty, so my motivational quote for today is by Thomas Edison, and it says, Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Let's talk about what's happening in the marketplace. As industries start to shift and downsize their staff, are you affected by the shift or you might even know someone who is? After being with the same company in the same position for over a decade or two, how do we get out there, interview, and get a job possibly in a different industry, especially if that changing industries is really the only alternative? If this is something you're facing and during every interview you're asked about your experience in this new industry you're trying to break into, what do you do? You know your soft skills, or I call them also transferable skills, will make you a high performer, right? You know that, even within a new industry, but no one will even listen or give you the opportunity. It's frustrating, right? Luckily for us, my guest today is Paul Fornelli, and Paul is going to help us address things like how to be creative about relating your relevance, the importance of going into the interview thinking the employer isn't going to think you're qualified in the first place. Paul Fernelli is an award-winning sales, sales management, and sales training professional, a man after my own heart. He's the author of Sales Readiness, a template, template for Success. He has over 20 years of sales experience in the business-to-business, -business, wholesale, mortgage banking, PEO, capital medical sales, and enterprise-level medical device information systems. That was a mouthful. Uh, and he, so he works in the healthcare industry right now. Paul developed a framework for job seekers to communicate those transferable relevance, uh, the skills they have and how they will directly apply them to a new role in a new company and, and probably in a new industry. The advice and recommendations we're going to discuss may actually change your whole job seeking uh, or job search experience. So Paul, I'm, I, I can't even tell you, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited about this topic. Yeah, no, this is uh, truly my honor. Appreciate being here. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm excited about your book, and I, I do hope folks who are out there transitioning, number one, go out and buy it, because I think it has so many helpful uh, tools and, and ideas and strategies. But just real quick, before we start talking about, you know, the how-tos of shifting careers or shifting industries, just tell everyone briefly your story of being downsized and then, oh, my God, what do I do now? Yeah, no, great question. So, I mean, you had mentioned I, you know, I'd written a book, and really it was an answer to a problem that I faced in 2008 when I'd lost my job. Uh, up to that point, I mean, I, I had been in sales for, you know, over 20 years, and the, the problem that maybe as it exists within this context is it had been in one industry. So I'd been in sales and sales management, had a lot of success, but it was all in financial services, and primarily it was in the wholesale mortgage business. And I think we all kind of knew what happened, uh, you know, with, with the meltdown in the, uh, in the in that side of the industry, and you know, and I found myself um, really at that point in my life, I was complacent leading up to that point, and hadn't thought that I would ever have to do anything else or change anything about my career. 
career, I would be content to just uh, ride that out the rest of my life. And uh, mm-hmm. but my cha- my uh, my uh, my fortunes changed, and I kind of woke up uh, feeling like Alice in uh, in Wonderland. Sure, you went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, oftentimes the folks I speak with, you know, they come into the companies I work with and obviously they're new employees. Some of them, I had one woman uh, work for one of the banks that I was consulting with. She was a uh, police officer, actually a detective, had worked the 25 years, retired from that and wanted just to work closer to home, had better uh, hours, you know, than working those shifts. And when I, we, I always go around the room, introduce yourself and what do you hope to get from today? And it was so cute because she said, a detective, I go, what? You know, like, how did you end up here? So we do have all these transferable skills. And I I think complacency, good word that you use, is is very dangerous because we have to make sure that we really do stay relevant because you never know what's going to be thrown in your way, just, you know, just like you, you described. So my first question is for people considering their next move in their career or if they're being forced, what would you advise they do to build the skills that translate to opportunities, especially if they want to break into different industries? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, it's certainly, as I just had mentioned, it's something that I've faced, but uh, my answer might surprise you a little bit. You know, so what I would say to people is it's not about building a specific new skill. It's a lot more about building new knowledge. So what I'd say, the first, first advice is just focus on what you can control. You know, take more of a strategic approach to the situation rather than tactical. What do I mean by Typically, in a lot of situations, people think that they, you know, maybe they're in sales and maybe they think that they should go out and join a Toastmasters because they're going to be a better presenter. Maybe they've been a project to build the skills uh, to be better on their PC and, and take an Excel sheet class. But there's a lot more powerful things that you can do. That are that you should focus on that you could control yourself and there's two of them two of them that I recommend. One is, is I think you have to take the build upon the skills that you already know today, and then secondly, it's incredibly important to be very precise in picking the right industry and the right job. Yeah, I, I can imp- unpack those two things if you want me to. Yeah, please. That's the great information. Yeah. So you know, so the, for the first one, as I mentioned, I mean, in terms of you know, build upon what you already know. You don't have to reinvent the wheel or become the master of new things. I mean, the really, you know, the key is, is in any situation when there's going to be change, you want to start from a position of strength. You'd, you'd mentioned transferable skills. Um, I, I, have a, I have a concept that I call uh, transferable relevance, and it's, and it's along those same lines. And so what I would recommend is, is absorbing that first. And it's a concept and it's a mindset. And it really just kind of just says that, that, listen, whatever you're doing today, you mentioned the police officer, be, officer before, the actions and the skills that you use and as you've learned in your current industry and your current job, can have just as much valuable and relevant, it can be just as valuable and just as relevant for other jobs and other industries. So you just have to learn, to rec- to learn how to basically recognize and relate what I call common threads between the two. So it's really just kind of just matching up what you do today with where you want to go. And a lot of times those, those common threads can come from unexpected places. Let me give you one quick example. Everybody, everybody's always heard the proverbial comparison, you know, apples and oranges. So that couldn't be more different. An apple is so different from an orange. But let's think about what the common threads are. These are the things that I, that I would recommend somebody concentrate to know and understand about themselves. So what are the common threads between an apple and an orange? Four things. They're both a fruit. They're both round. They're both juicy. And they're both good for you. And the reason I make that point is, is those, those are relevant aspects between, between the two. So and that's a, it works the same way with your job skills. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it was it was brilliant. And I'll just go back to my detective friend who now became a customer service person right at the at this at the branch level in this bank. And when I stopped at her, I said, Oh my goodness, a detective, how cool is that? And I said, Awesome transferable skills because you were able to be in very sometimes, you know, uh with domestic violence or something like that, or if there was drug abuse and you're trying to calm someone down. I said, you know, we get crazy people in the banks too. <laughs> so You'll be able to use those transferable skills and be able to calm whatever the situation in front of you and provide that same level of of um, uh, level-headedness, calmness, and communication to whatever the situation might be. And she looked at me, she goes, oh, I never thought about that. So that's kind of an example of, I think, what you're saying with the apples and oranges, right? Yeah, 100%. I like to start yeah. with an apple and an orange. And just like you just said there, listen, I was going to say even a customer service rep who's never been in sales before but handles problems all day long on the phone, right. provides people with alternatives. That yep. person has incredible communication skills, presents solutions to people. That person has a lot of relevance for a lot of different sales positions depending on the, on the format, but a lot more than they might otherwise think. And it's certainly you're not going to see any sales experience on the resume, but they have a lot of the inherent common threads that can help them be successful. Yeah. And I think the problem is the perspective of the, the person you're interviewing with. Oh, you're a detective. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You don't know anything about banking. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's easy to teach someone a product. It's not so easy to teach, like you said, those communication skills, those handling solutions or, or coming up with solutions and ideas to calm the situation down it's it's you know but here's the deal when we go and interview the perception of the person we're interviewing with really quickly becomes our reality doesn't it oh yeah Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'd always say, I mean, if, if, if moving on to a topic, if we're talking about just the actual, you know, during the interview process, sure. I mean, you, you know, your, your first goal in any situation like that, especially coming in there without what I call hard skill matching, you don't have any direct experience with that position, is, is your first goal is reduce the perception of risk for hiring you. I mean, I, I've been in sales management for years, and, you know, and I'm on the hook for my decisions. And, and that's the way that, that all hiring managers are going to look at these situations. So it's almost kind of like a courtroom, you know, the burden the proof is on you. You know, you, you've, got to, you've got to prove that you're relevant and valuable to this position because I guarantee you, you're walking into that situation typically undervalued and, and already perceived um, guilty of not being able to do the job. And it's funny that you said that because, you, you know, the... You know, when you see a job posting, wherever it might be, I know that it's, you know, on the Internet now and recruiters or whatever, recruiters.com, et cetera. But you look up a, a job posting and it has a list of the hard skills. It's like a laundry list, right? College degree required, five years experience doing blah, blah, blah. So and the other problem I think folks face is the software is usually filtering out resumes that don't include the proper keywords. So job seekers really with three years experience, for you, three, year, three years experience is an example in the medical sales. Sure. Um, they're not getting in front of those hiring managers. So what do you right. do? Yeah, good, great question. Um, you know, that's, that's a common problem. I mean, I, I can tell you that I had countless conversations with people over the years that have been in that exact boat, and I was in it. So he, here's what I did, and here's what I would tell people to do. So you're exactly right. No, nobody's looking for you, okay? Uh, you don't have the keywords. Your keywords are the identifiers, right? I mean, you're right. the identifiers for who's looking for you. They're going to identify a specific skill, and that's what's going to be in demand. And without it, you know, you're going to be basically invisible. So do three things, what I would do, I mean, in terms of 
making to helping yourself get in front of somebody, and that's be precise, be prepared, and be deliberate. Okay, mm. so you, you can't afford to you know what I call be passive in these situations. So your keywords themselves, based on your previous experience, those aren't going to transfer with you. Nobody's going to see those or identify those as anything value. But your skill set is going is, to is very well could be. So. You know, we, we live, you mentioned it before, you know, we lived in this, we live in this era of big data. I mean, you know, a, a lot has changed over the years, I mean, just, just within the landscape of recruiting. So, you know, if you, if you think about history and innovation, you know, going from the agrarian society to the industrial society to the Internet, uh, you know, it had been created over 20-some years ago. But it wasn't until recently, you know, with big data and then all the, the application software, you know, that had been recru- uh, created to basically filter through and micro-target for things, and the, the talent acquisition space, meaning the people out, the hiring managers, the job boards, and everything else, only in the, you know, in the past 10 years have adopted that as well, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, created a, it's created a tough situation. So, you know, so when I tell people to be precise, you know, what I mean by that is, you, you know, you can't take a boilerplate approach to the situations, and especially when it, when it comes to a job. You have to, you can't just be one size fits all for people. You can't just send resumes out blindly. You have to, you know, get to that cross section and understand your why a little bit and, but, and where you want to go. And then you got to pick some very precise targets within a very specific industry. You got to start there. Um, and then you have to be very, very prepared. You, you can't wing situations. If you get an opportunity to speak to somebody like yourself or somebody like myself when I was a sales manager, you're going to get one shot at it within the first couple of minutes. And, and, and if you hadn't studied that industry, studied that competitive environment, reverse engineered what success looks like in that organization, if you can't walk into that situation and be able to speak their common language and create some relevance between where you've been and where you want to go, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And then finally, uh, you have to be very, very deliberate. Meaning, so when I said that nobody's out there looking for you, when you can't be passive, I can tell you what I did. I mean, you know, I had to go direct. Nobody was going to call me. So, you know, beyond just my normal network, and that's the best way to be able to get yourself inserted into a process, but that's limited. And so in the absence of a network, you're going to have to call hiring managers. You're going to have to call recruiters. You're going to have to call people that can help you insert you into the, into the process. And I can tell you, uh, just based on my experience, I mean, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do that, you'd be surprised about how many people out there that are strangers you know, that you might find on LinkedIn or that you might find just calling out of the blue uh, by dialing in through a website. Uh, people will help you. Yeah, it's funny you said that. I uh, first I want to talk about the be precise. The with the three things. The first was be precise, prepared, deliberate. The pre- the precision piece of it. You're doing all of this knowledge building and research to be prepared for the interview. I would hope, right, to go into right. this new industry, learn their lingo, and all of that. You need to take those key words, I would think, and include them in your resume as well so that you do start getting hits if you are funneled into those algorithms for resumes. Uh, is, that, is that a piece of it? Well, it's a good point, except let me, let me disagree with the statement there. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. No, that's a, yeah, perfect. So listen, so you want to start from a position of strength and situation. So what you don't want to do is the worst thing you could ever do for yourself is, is to be uncredible, meaning not credible. So mm-hmm. you can't make up keywords. 
You can't, you can't create them because you're going to put yourself in situations that you can't answer for. So that's sure. not the way to go about doing it. But I can tell you, I mean, a couple of things that I've, that, uh, um, that I've had other people do and I've recommended for other people to do is if you, when you've, once you've been precise enough to really identify that industry that you want to be in, maybe you've identified that target, there are plenty of open network events that you can, that you can be a, a part of and you can join nonprofits. Now, if you joined an organization, nonprofit organizations, and they serve that industry that you want to be able to target, you can absolutely 100% certainly put that on your resume, and you are going to increase your visibility to be found. But that's, that's not going to, that's not, yeah, it's not going to take the place of still being very prepared and being deliberate, but it's going to at least help, it's going to at least help put you into that talent silo, and I'll call it that way, into that storage bin of data, and you might get found. But it wouldn't yeah, make and up it's, keywords. it's like you're finding the right church. Now you have to continue to find the right pew. <laughs> you, <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean? Just from an analogy standpoint. But yeah, I, I think that's great information. Let's take a real quick break. And then when we come back, I'd like to talk about how you think or what emphasis should folks put on the soft skills and how do they present that, okay? Sure. Awesome. Quick break. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. We are back and we are speaking with Paul Fernelli and we are really talking about how do you get a job if you're either choosing or if you've been chosen to be downsized, how do you break into a different industry, what are some of the key things and Paul, the first half of the show, first of all, gave awesome information. So if you missed it and you didn't have a piece of paper, you really want to go back and listen uh, to those, those, that information and jot some notes down. Uh, also, by the way, buy his book. Okay, so this is my next question. Paul is so hard skills are important it's a laundry list we get that but why do you think employers today put such little emphasis on those soft skills that could be translated into the new industry yeah okay I mean I, I like the question but, but I'll tell you what I, I disagree with that statement a little bit again uh, okay. in, in this regard so what I would say is now it, it can definitely appear that they're not valued but what I can tell you that employers and hiring managers absolutely 100% do value the soft skills except the technology stack is getting in the way because it's pre-programmed to be front-loaded just to look for your hard skills. So it's blocking, it's an, I call it an opportunity cost between both the hiring side and the search side. So it's not the situation where they don't value your soft skills, right? And so, you know, it's, it's worth 
you know, saying what some of those are. I mean, uh, your soft skills are the things that are going to help you do your job better, right? So you're going to learn a hard skill, but you're not going to be very effective utilizing those, that hard skill, whatever that hard skill is for your job, if you hadn't mastered some of the soft skills. You know, sure. are you a person who has, you know, good self-awareness, self-management? Uh, you know, do you have social awareness? Do you recognize and understand the differences in people? How well do you assimilate your attitude, your work ethic? All the things, honestly, you can't see on a resume. But if I lined up today... 100 hiring managers, and I asked every one of them if those attributes that I've just rattled off, if those things were very important um, in, in their evaluation process when they hire somebody. And I would tell you to a man, uh, they, would, they would tell you that it's incredibly important. But the problem is, again, going back to the living in the era of big data, micro-targeting, everything is dumped, uh, you know, everything's been digitized and stored in the silos and then put into the cloud to be extracted and filtered through the way that people want it. The problem is, is speed is king in the recruiting world today. So, you know, when you've got an organization out there that wants to fill, uh, fill a job slot, you know, they, the recruiting world and the job world and everything else out there is just designed to get as many people that have as, you know, are as close to that job profile as possible and in that process, it can't possibly filter through or see or identify what your soft skills are. So you get a very front-loaded, pre-programmed system that blocks the both of them. And, and I'd, I'd say that the, 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 uh, what's changed a lot is, you know, we love, obviously live in, a, in an era of globalization, and the, the, even the talent acquisition space has so much larger of a pool to be able to pull from because we can all work mobily today, except that the valuation process, meaning how they evaluate and look at talent, has narrowed. And that's an inverse relationship. It didn't used to be that way the last time I had looked for a job, you know, in the mid-90s when there, there were still want ads and uh, people smoked in offices and there were ashtrays and you, you were kind of invited down and said, well, what do you want to do with your life, kid? And maybe you were sent off to three different job interviews in three different industries and it gave you a much more balanced approach about what kind of an employee they thought you might be. So, they, you know, they cared a little bit more about that soft skill, you know, in addition to your, to your, to your hard skill. And, and that's now gone because of these computer algorithms. So the right. soft skills, I think, think make us almost invisible. I think you used that word before, which is really so true. Um, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm taking it from, like I use the word precise, would you use those keywords? And so you're the expert and you were like, yeah, dangerous ground. You might not want to do that because then right. literally get caught with your pants down. And that's, that's a real bad impression that you make on this potential new employer. So um, really just set, such valuable information. Now, what advice can you give folks who maybe have felt the frustration of everything you're describing that positions now are, because you know what's happening, right? We're eliminating positions and we're telling people, you know, you got to do more with less. So the positions available are less. The recruiters are the churn and burn. If I'm not getting a million people in front of my uh, possible uh, uh, companies, right, to hire, I'm not making any money. So it's this whole vicious cycle that's going on. So folks that are feeling invisible or under valued or ignored, you know, what, what would be a recommendation to try to help with that frustration? Because it's happening. We know it's happening. Yeah, no, 100%. I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, that, that's the most personal question that I, that I can answer because mentioned early on, I mean, losing my job in 2008, you know, in a career where I felt incredibly safe um, and never thought of doing anything else, into a position where you thought that you were valuable. And to wake up and to find out, um, you know, after sending out countless resumes, 
creating all kinds of wonderful cover letters, going to websites, filling out applications, and getting you know zero response. I mean, absolutely the, 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 the definition of lost in cyberspace. So I know exactly what it feels like to be ignored, invisible, and underworld. And I can tell you that was my 100% driving initiative for what I wrote the book for um, in, in the first place. It really was a labor of love. And I knew that there were other people out there that felt that exact same way. And I wanted to provide them with, um, you know, what was the medicine? How could I turn those negatives, you know, into a positive, right? I mean, what, what could I do? Um, from a sale, I can only speak, I can speak to it from a sales perspective. I mean, what I would say overall is anybody in these situations, we've, we've discussed some of those things that you need to do, you know, the precise, prepared and deliberate and so forth. You've got to have a thought process. You've got to have a system. So for me, you know, I, what, what steps would I, did I take to, to overcome some of those situations, invisible, ignored, and undervalued? So a lot of preparation. But I started with this with the mindset. Because I'm a sales professional, kind of you've been in sales too, you know, sure. my, my focus was, you know, what, what, can, what possibly can I do to be ready on day one? What are, the, what are the, some of the things that I can do? So it started with that whole being precise, prepared, and deliberate. I had to pick the, pick the industry. I had to pick the handful of companies, and I had to be very deliberate about inserting myself into the process. And in the interim, I had to study everything about that environment to make sure that I could have those good conversations, right? So I, pull, I, you know, I adhered to that transferable relevance concept. I mean, I broke my, the elements down of my own work history and I said, okay, these are the common threads. These are the things that I did on a day-to-day basis. Let's just, for uh, simplicity's sake, I mean, I, you know, so I, I prospected and I presented solutions to people on a daily basis. Well, I studied to, to make sure that I knew and understood what it looked like. I reversed engineered success for what it looked like in the industry and the jobs that I would be going to. So that if I got a chance to be able to speak to somebody, I'd be speaking common language. I'd be speaking his language. He, he would get a sense for me as, like, as if I had already worked there. And that's something that those common threads, what you need to do is you've got to create what I call that communication blueprint. And it's mm-hmm. simply a way for you to organize your talk tracks, organize your thought tracks based on those common threads. And for me, they were the fundamentals of sales. Okay? So I concentrated on those things. And that's where I built up that knowledge. And then from those common, from that communication blueprint, the way that I would go and communicate, I created what I called, you know, a sales readiness template. And again, I mean, I, I have a foundation first philosophy. You're in sales. I still believe it's a, a cart before the horse kind of a business. So I, I took the fundamentals in the way that I know and understand them. And then I customized them for the industry and for the job that I was going to. And I called it a sales readiness template. And that became my mapping sequence to success when I actually implemented out into the field. And it gave me enough space and time to be able to learn on the job and to be successful as I moved into new industries. So this is duplicatable is really what you're saying, whether it's yes. sales, really it's for any job. You, you just took your sales skills and, and kind of mapped it out into a template. But I, I could use it if I was looking for a, CS, a customer service position or if I was a medical transcriber or something like that. Is it transferable to all of those industries, 100%. do you think? Yeah, 100%, because, I mean, so my fundamentals are my fundamentals, right? But there's fundamentals in everything that we do. If you just, every one of us out there that that is working today or has worked in the past can break down the aspects of their work life to the very fundamental basics. And that's where you want to find that common thread to create that bridge Mm -hmm. to close the gap 
that there's a perception for hiring your risk, meaning you don't have the hard skills, but you can close the gap quite a bit if you could just create that bridge through the common threads, make commonality between your fundamentals, regardless, customer service, I don't care if you're a policeman, sure. you name the industry, the job, it doesn't matter. But you go through that same exact process and it will work. It's worked for me several times. Now, another question for you. So you changed industries, and let's face it, we're spending, or companies, um, especially on new hires, are either shortening or eliminating a lot of the training. So is there training that you did or supplemented to be able to, to really go in day one and, bam, be, be productive? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'm a huge believer in training. I've been fortunate enough in my life to have been trained by some of the most well-known and the best outlets uh, in the world. So I'm a big believer in training. Um, and so when somebody asks me about training, you know, what should you do, you know, um, in between jobs, let's just say, what can help prepare you, that kind of a thing, I'll always break training back down into two, two areas. There's really two types, right? There's on-the-job training. And there's off-the-job training. Sure. I think we already kind of know what we get with on-the-job training. Sure. So even when they're cutting back, you can still expect some level of introduction to the product or solution, some introduction to the internal workings, the process from which you're going to be working from. Um, you might get uh, some one-on-one, what I call field training help, um, you know, maybe a mentor or a buddy system within the organization. You might have a, a mixture of e-class and classroom. It, it could be all over the board depending on the company, but you, you can count on probably some, but we know what it looks like, right? You're going to get binders and you're going to learn some things. Um, but then you got off-the-job training, and we We've been talking about some of that in some of our back and forth, what some of that off-the-job training looks like. So the good thing about being in the information age is there's no shortage of information that you can access. I mean, there's webinars for free. There's e-books for free. There's trade periodicals for free. Google is a, is, is, is a nonstop best friend for gathering information. There's YouTube. If you want to learn and understand something about an industry or a company or a product or a solution, you can find that information. And what I always tell people is the more that you're willing to roll up your sleeves, make the investment in being serious and taking this opportunity very, very serious because it is, and doing everything possible to help yourself to be ready on day one when it comes time to get that on-the-job training, whether it's shortened or extensive. Maybe you went to a good, you picked the right industry and the right job and it's got a lot of infrastructure, but maybe it doesn't. But I can promise you, though, with all the -the off-the-job training, you are going to be able to absorb that training at a very high level, and it's going to give you that kind of start, and it's going to give you that kind of ability to be able to be ready on day one. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And you know, for me, I, I in my in my during my training for for the clients I work with with the binders. Yes, I give out binders. Um, anyway, I just giggled when you said that because I'm picturing my binders right with my my information in it. But I always tell people, I don't care what training you go through, whether it's me, the company, if you're in, you go and taking classes at night, if you're doing an online seminar really stay relevant and keep learning because when you when you stop and and you said it so beautifully at the beginning of the show Paul when we become complacent you're really in dangerous territory because that's when change is thrust upon you and then what do you do now you're now you're scrambling to catch up so if we can maintain those soft skills or build additional skills you know example using excel or word they're they're hard skills too Um, why not take advantage of that when you are complacent but still keeping yourself relevant and the world around you, the, the economics, the industries around you. So I, I do. I think it's, it's our, 
we own our careers or we should own our careers. It's up to us to remain relevant. And no one could do that for you. And you also said, which struck me funny, no one's like, no one's knocking at your door saying, Connie Whitman, please come work with me. I have to be out there generating new business, right? For them to be able to hire me to be, for me to be able to go in and do my magic. Well, if I'm not ever out there networking, nobody's knocking on my door looking for me. So it's really the same thing that we're talking about with job search. You, you really, have to be out there present and continuously developing your skills it's you know I feel like when I stop learning it, it that's when we we're looking at death and I you know what I'm not ready for that yet <laughs> no you know what it, you know the proverbial buggy whip salesman right then when you know when, when Ford created automation you know left behind right we all we're all familiar with that but the boom bust cycles and the innovation ebb and flow um, you know the way that we the, the buying and selling process is changing you know over the sure. past 150 years one sure. thing you can 100% count on is that you're going to have to adapt and change. You can count on it. You can bet on it. Things will constantly change. So I always tell anybody, never stop learning. You've just, right. you've just summed that up very well. Never, ever stop learning. And then, of course, we, we learn from our pains. Um, and it's, you know, being complacent, I, I can promise you, it, you know, for, forever, <laughs> forever the rest of my life, there will never be a, a situation again where I'm complacent, uh, you know, when it comes to career. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, because we still have to pay bills, and the mortgage still has to get paid. And you know, if you have children in college, those bills are coming, whether we like it or not. So, yeah, I, you know, you got to stay relevant, and you have to stay up to date. My kids laugh at me. I have a, a soon-to-be twenty-year-old and a soon-to-be seventeen-year-old, Paul. Yeah. And like, I do online classes all the time because I am not the brightest person in the world. I know that. I admit it. So they'll come in on a, on a weekend and they'll be like, "What are you doing now?" And I have my headphones on. I'll listen to a class online. I'm like, "Oh, I'm learning." I I wanted to learn about this topic, so I, I, I'm doing an online class. And they look at me like, what? Like, you're old. Why are you doing that? And you know, you know how kids are, especially that age. And I look at them and I go, well, I am never too old to learn, and, and someday I'm going for my Ph.D. And yeah. you know what? I want you guys to continue to grow and learn through your life. It never stops. No. So I, I think I'm fortunate that my mom and dad were very pro-education, and my dad is an avid reader. Uh, he's an engineer by trade, but an avid reader with uh, Science Magazine. So the man comes up with stuff. I'm like, Dad, he's 80, 84, going to be 85. Dad, how do you know that? He goes, oh, I read it in my science journal. So yeah. you, you have to, yeah, 80, 84, and he's still staying relevant wow. to what's going on. And, um, you know, you're never, you're never too old. I'm sorry. So no. um, our time is up, Paul. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it goes fast, doesn't it? It does go fast. It seems, seriously, it seems like about 10 minutes. I know, I know. Not for the people listening. No, I think the people listening are going, we want more. So I want to give everybody uh, information on how to reach you so that they can really buy the book and go to your website to look for that additional info or to be able to get in contact with you directly. So everybody, go to www.salesreadinesstemplate.com. All, all lowercase, and there's no hyphens or any of that nonsense. So salesreadinesstemplate.com. And remember what Paul said. It's not just for sales, folks. This is really a template for you to use to find your common thread and put it into the template to find or be able to create your mapping of how to come out the other side and find a job. I also want you guys to email me at Connie 
at whitmanassoc.com, so it's W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. You need help with sales coaching or you just want to share a story story that uh, myself and my guests could help on the show, you know, again, I'm happy and I'm open to that as well. And, Paul, just for you, uh, since this is your first time on the show, I will also take your website and post it on the Web Talk Radio website with our link to this show so that people literally can go in and click on it and it will bring you right to the website too. So they, even if they didn't get it, if they're in the car listening, um, you know, they have access to both of us, okay? Oh, yeah. Excellent. I'd also say that, you know what, hey, feel free out there, anybody, to hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm open oh, access sure. on that. And people just out of the blue connect with me all the time and, and ask me certain questions and I'm always always available to help there too. I, I got a lot of help from people on LinkedIn, strangers and, me too. and I always pay that back in kind. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. You've been a great guest. Thank you so, so much. Um, I hope everybody will join me weekly as my question, my, my guests and I's question help you build and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and probably even easier than we often think. Thanks again, Paul, for being just an awesome guest and for such vital uh, needed information and in what's going on in our marketplace today. Um, and for the insights. Everyone, thanks again for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much, and have an inspired week, everybody. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.